0: My problem is I'm always having to be in two places at once doing three things at one time. I
1: understand this. Having three teenagers right now, it has yeah. been...
0: like I don't know how you do it.
1: I feel like one of those circus performers that have like the stick with the plate and then like you're just always spinning a plate. Exactly. So I'm just getting better at spinning plates.
0: There came a point in, I don't know, about 2002... I showed up at my lawyer's office 10 minutes early and he was used to me being 20 minutes late and his secretary said I'll go get Greg and I said you may have to resuscitate him he'll be (laughs) fine (laughs) but I said I'm so busy I don't have time to be late anymore yeah
1: it's funny in the with my clinic I started scheduling I started inserting these mandatory 15 minute buffers because I was always running late and I felt bad for the people who were showing up. And then pretty soon people were showing up late because they knew I would always spill over and nobody got mad because they already, they always knew like I was going to take extra time with them too, so that they got the lateness, but I hated it. So I inserted these 15 minute buffers But my brain knows that I have this buffer. So I would just be like, oh, but I have this extra 15 minutes. So it just.
0: So you're still five minutes behind schedule. At the minimum. Like it's a thing and I don't like it. These days, because I schedule two hour appointments. Yeah. In my head, I have a 10 minute. Patients will tolerate a 10 minute behind schedule and right. virtually every patient I've ever asked about it said if a doctor runs on time I worry about him yeah. <laughs> because yeah. if you're 10 minutes late because you're spending time with the last guy I know that you're going to be you're going to take that 10 minutes plus another 10 minutes more yes. with me yes and so it's okay but I still start watching the clock so there you go hi hi two weeks so, I don't like, I don't like being away for you for two weeks. I was, this was hard. I robbed out a great job. Of course, Thanks very much. Yes. But still
1: it's just for the last, however long we've been doing this year and a half, like we,
0: who knew it was a year and a half. That was, that's the other thing that is like, what?
1: Really? No, I know. It's funny. I had a new patient this week who, who walks in and she's like, I feel like I know you. I'm like. Okay. And just because I watched and listened to the podcast and I was like, oh, fantastic. And it was funny that like, we had this like very instant connection. Like yeah. I felt like we were best friends. Um, but it was odd because like at the advance, so many people were coming up to me like, oh, I listened to the podcast, but I'm like, I have no idea who you are. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's because they feel like they know us because they get to hang out with us once a week for an hour.
0: And when we're doing the podcast, it's not scripted. It's authentic, yeah. Spontaneous—that's yeah. the word. Yes. And it, we have you drive the train, and there's tracks, and then I'm. It's it works somehow. It does
1: work. Huh? Hi, and we get to geek out and learn, which is the coolest part of it because. Every week there's something that I try to talk about to educate people but I feel like selfishly I'm the one that gets all the nuggets of information because of the questions because of the cases that we talk about and just troubleshooting things.
0: And there are so many options for treatment and so many considerations for diagnosis. Yeah. And the my personal need for when you do differential diagnosis for coherence, for pattern recognition. Okay, so I have a patient coming in tomorrow that emailed the office and said, I was on a bicycle, got hit by a car. So right there, you know the mechanics and the physics. Fractured the femur, three other fractures, fractured C5, C6, T7. I don't know if he's ambulatory. Because of the fractured femur, he had a fat embolus and was in a coma for a month. He's got full body pain, seven, eight, on a fistful of drugs and he's with pain management. And I had a cancellation tomorrow. So I'm gonna see him tomorrow for three hours. And when you look at the history, From an FSM perspective, you already know what you're dealing with, One month coma. Okay. That's he's 40 and 89, most likely, depending on where the stroke was. So a fat embolus is for those you don't, and I think I'm correct is we're used to strokes being caused by blood clots. Strokes can be caused by anything that's too big to fit through an artery. So you fracture a femur, femoral, 238. That's stuff in the marrow. The femoral marrow is, there's a lot of fat. And so you get a fat embolus. There's basically a blood clot that isn't made of blood, it's made of fat. It gets in and goes someplace. And in this case, it went in his brain. We don't know where. So I don't know if we can walk. I don't know what about, but if he's in a common for a month then his Pain levels and eight in our world, there's a pretty good chance he's a 40 and 89. It's just a thalamic stroke. Okay. Like we can do that. Yes. That's, I haven't even done the exam yet. And he had a fracture at C56 and C67. Okay, so how do you fracture a vertebra and not blow the disc? Pretty good chance he's a 40 and 10, right. on top of being a 40 and 89. The accident was almost a year ago saw so the fractures have healed and that means it's probably just local scar tissue and I'm thinking I have three hours with this guy how hard can this be in what world do I know you say that just based on the history <clears throat> I... our hours right yeah <laughs> the listening get that do you see how I got from here to there
1: you work so much faster though than everybody else like where you can go from point a to point q in (laughs) 30 seconds is not normal so just so you know that like it takes most of us a lot longer Wow. And it's funny, a practitioner had written me about the advanced lecture that I'd given. She hadn't taken the sports course, but she popped in for the advanced. And she said, I just have to say how amazing it is that your approach to things is so different than Dr. McMakin's, yet you both get to the end point. You get the, to the same point somehow through that roller coaster loop. And I thought, and then you put that to an exponential of 2000, 4000, however many FSM practitioners there are, because we, even within the same scope of practice, there's still a different pathway that we take. Like I'm very pelvic centric. Doesn't matter if I'm using FSM or not, I'm starting at the pelvis and going up or down from there.
0: Of course, sometimes because i start with the brain and do you know
1: and but that's what i mean and then a friend of mine's a nuka chiropractor he starts c1c2 and goes all the way down my podiatrist buddy from the foot and goes up and we all get to places eventually we just take different routes different
0: routes and then there was this week this wonderful lady comes in and she has spinal stenosis So you do an neurologic exam and L, she said, my knees really hurt. I use the sensory. She already had a custom care Okay. and nerve pain was on there, but she never used it because she has spinal stenosis. So she's trying to treat the spinal stenosis and it's like, my knees really hurt. You do a sensory exam, spinal stenosis generally happens at L3. That means you expect L3, 4, 5, maybe S1 and S2 to be hypersensitive and pain generators. So I used the pinwheel and she went, okay, check the boxes. And then I just treated her for nerve pain. And she went, my legs don't hurt. I went, yeah. And then she had, let's see, other things she had. Oh, she had, pain in her right hip. So, you know, you have them fill out a pain diagram and she had this big black circle on her right hip. Well, I started to do a hip exam, she can't even flex it. Oh, so fortunately, she brought x-rays, x-ray reports, and there are cysts in the femoral head. And I went, okay, here, before I even did the physical exam, I said, your hip needs replacing. The only question is, and you have to talk to the two surgeons, is it safe to get your hip replaced before you have the stenosis surgery? My stenosis is surgical. I said, you can put it off by treating the nerves. The question, is it safe? She said, what do you mean? I said, if ever, middle of the night, middle of the day, someday after you've been working in the yard, I don't care. If ever you go to wipe yourself after you've use the toilet, and you can't feel it, you get off the toilet, pull up your pants, grab your toothbrush, and go to the emergency room. Do not stop at stoplights. That's a good idea. But it's a thing. She said, it's that serious? And I went, yeah. Oh, okay. So just the even if you can't help, the information is important and appreciated. I can't fix your stenosis. I don't think we can try the hip needs replacing. If it was me, I would get the hip done first because then you have a chance maybe of being able to rehab the spine and the pelvis. But as long as your hip looks like that, you ain't going any place with your low back. So it's important to know since we're an alternative or an integrative augment therapy. That's why half of the core seminar, I don't know about yours, but half of the core seminar is differential diagnosis, precautions, and contraindication. Herb Babinski was down going, yay. Two-level C-spine fusion. that's still going good, yay. No reflexes, duh. So
2: I want to build on this for just a second because
1: how do I even start to unpack what you just like unloaded? There was a, there was a patient that came in last week and I can't remember what the condition was that he had. And I said, he's like, do you think this is going to be implicated in my running? Or he was a triathlete. And I see a lot of triathletes since I've lived, moved to California, but. I said, you know what, I don't know enough about this condition to make an educated response, but I'm going to find out. Uh And that's what he said. He put his, he brought a stack of images and stuff and he got face as well. And I was like, did I say something wrong? And he's like, no, you said something right. And not enough people say that.
0: And you're the only one that's ever said that.
1: And I think we do live in a world where We're expected to have all the answers and have all the answers really quick. And our patients are coming from, especially the chronic pain patients, they're coming from such a multitude of different diagnoses and practitioners. And one is trying to upstage the other and blah, blah, blah. And what FSM has taught me, especially like teaching the courses is like, you're not expected to be an expert in half the stuff that we get to explore Have some knowledge and appreciation for all the conditions and all the frequencies that we have, but know your scope and know your boundaries and know when you don't know anything. And I think that honesty is appreciated from not only a patient perspective, I would love it if, and I did, I had some weird blood work done and my GP was like, I don't know anything about this autoimmune test, but let's find a rheumatologist that does. I so appreciated that. Yeah, and she still looks like a rock star, right? Because she'll hook me up with somebody who does know, and I'm in good
0: hands. She knows enough to ask the questions. So right. The same lady with the stenosis, and the I'd love to make them two different ladies, but same lady with the stenosis and the hip. Her. She's a bit on the heavy side, not athletic, elevated insulin, but her hemoglobin A1C is 6.2. So she's not diabetic. And she woke up in the middle of the night and checked her blood sugar. It was 47. That's a good face. Her HSCRP varies between eight and 17. That's a good face, and she's seeing a gastroenterologist because she has chronic diarrhea. She has had parasites three times in her life, treated with various. They gave you what for that? That isn't what you use. Okay, that isn't what you use for that. And you can't. I'm never entirely comfortable saying that treatment was inappropriate. No wonder you still have diarrhea and she's microcytic anemic anemic but there's no blood in her stool and her ferritin is low so she doesn't absorb iron she's not bleeding in her gut what nobody of all of the specialists she's seen nobody has asked why is your HSCRP, why is your C-reactive protein indication of inflammation? Why is it eight instead of one? Why on earth is it 17 instead of one? The answer, you need to look at that. And so I, that's the point. I just, it's,
2: I know. And that's the kind of like the, I'm sorry. And you're welcome of
1: FSM because it has given me so much information and so many different nuggets to watch them for. And it's, uh, I remember when things were simple and it was always the muscle. <laughs> Can
0: I, sometimes, sometimes I want to. Back or the there. pelvis needed adjusting.
1: And that was it. And everything would just fall into place. And not to say the pelvis doesn't need to be adjusted and not to say that you don't treat the muscle. But we just look at everything in such completely different lenses now than we ever used to. And I have a slide. I'm redoing the core slides, of course, because I get to do the core or my sports course in Troutdale next month. So those of you who have not signed up, come to Troutdale and hang out with us. It's going to be a fun
0: course. And you get to see the clinic.
1: You get to see the clinic because when I first saw it, it was just the skeleton. It was just this is going to go there and this is going to go there and Although I feel like I was there because when Kevin did the Facebook live, when you had the grand opening, I felt like I was there. But anyways, I'm redoing the slides. Of course I am. And, but there's one slide that stays the same. And it's when I start talking about concussion and I've got like a concussion bubble and all my slides have charts and bubbles and colors and stuff. And there's all these bubbles around the word concussion, because I talk about, I have the word vestibular, I have sleep, I have exertion, I have diet. I have stress. I have, and I'm like, when you're treating somebody with true post-concussion syndrome, you need to find an expert in all of these bubbles and realize that you are not the expert in all of these bubbles, nor have I found anybody on the planet who is an expert in all of these bubbles. And that's okay. Find people. And I think that's just true to practice. Like I'm still on the hunt for a really good Somebody, but like I have a surgeon that I can send my shoulder and hip and ankle people to. And oh, thank God. Because there's a lot of them, <laughs> unfortunately. Yes. But yeah, I just think that we don't refer enough and we're not really vulnerable with what we know and don't know. And I think that.
0: Well, and the trick is to ref- not only refer enough, but refer soon enough. I do the BIVS brain injury visual system symptom questionnaire.
1: That is actually on my list to talk to you about because somebody had asked if we have that on the website. Do we have
0: that on the website? Absolutely. Kevin is nodding yes and then nodding no, which means he thinks so. But if it's not there, it will be. <laughs> That's the translation of I'm not sure, but it yes.
1: But we'll handle it. OK, because I, yeah, 18, 18, I, I mentioned
0: it and yeah, it's shorter. Okay. And it's easier to score. Anything above 18 means they should see an FCOVD optometrist. Yes, it is. Ah, Kevin says yes, it is because he just looked and found it. Uh-huh.
2: Under, under is it. Under like
0: resources or something that would make sense. Practitioner resources. So it's open to practitioners only. Okay. And then we have the thing that I never thought of until Adam was and Bill Clearfield was the endocrine aspects. of brain injuries. And that's when I found out that's when I found out that endocrinologists are really good at diabetes, because that's a lot of what they see. How does an endocrinologist seeing a brain injury patient not measure the signaling hormones that come from the brain? So for Those of you that don't have that image in your head, like I have in my head. And if you ever tell me something and I forget it, this is why I just, I'm out of RAM. That's just the thing. So the pituitary lives in like right in the middle, right? It's on this stalk. It's like a bell ball on a stalk, and there's blood vessels and there's the hypothalamus up here. And then it goes from the hypothalamus to the anterior and the posterior pituitary. You smack your head hard enough and the axons that go from the hypothalamus to the anterior and the posterior pituitary, not to mention the blood supply, get wanged around because there's a lever on. The thing is almost six millimeters and it's not quite a centimeter, but it's a thing and it wangs around and it tractions or damages the axons that go from the hypothalamus to the pituitary, the pituitary creates the central signaling hormones that create growth hormone, testosterone, to some extent, estrogen, progesterone, cortisol, Oxytocin, all of that, all of the things that make you feel like you feel when you smile and you can talk and you can get out of bed and you're not exhausted all the time and you, right? No, they don't test those. So I get somebody that had a horrible concussion six, eight years ago. And now I have Bill Clearfield because I saw his slides before I ever had him come to the advanced. And he's so grateful to have an audience that listens to him. Why do we listen to him? Because we have the ability to treat concussion. Well, FSM is not enough to fix the stock okay. and the signaling hormones and the hormones. So we have these concussion patients. I can't fix the vestibular injury, but I can send you to John Resky, right. and I can't. I can order the blood work, but I can't do anything about your hormones. But I can send you to Dr. Clearfield.
1: Okay, and to steal your and, and in our physical medicine slash sports course, we do the supine cervical because is it remotely possible that your brain can be impacted in a concussion setting without your neck being affected? Never. Are you going to cure all the symptoms? Maybe not, but you're definitely going to take tension out of the neck. You're going to learn how to treat the anterior C-spine because for some reason, people are so afraid to do manual therapy on the anterior C-spine. And these muscles are what hold our head and jaw in space. And is it possible to have a head injury or neck injury without your TMJ being affected?
0: No. And? It's easy to work on the anterior muscles when all you have to do is run 124 and 710 and 40 and 710. Yes, and the anterior muscles just turn to pudding, and they go the, and they look at what? It, how did what? And then the suboccipital muscles. So the first. Yeah, I, yes, that's that. So what she's doing is making this yummy face and lifting your fingers towards the base of your skull. The first 45 degrees of motion in rotation happen at the occiput C1 and C2. And if the lateral suboccipitals are rigid on both sides, the occiput C1 and C2 is not going to move. Where does that put the strain? At C4, five, and six. So the disc is like the jelly donut. It does all the turning, why? Because C1 and C2 isn't gonna turn. So this is why in the practicum we do the supine cervical because it's so much fun to watch their face. I know.
1: It's-, it's fun to watch the patient's face. It's fun to watch the practitioner's face. And it's fun to watch the button pusher's face because they're looking at both of the other people's faces.
0: And it's, don't worry, your turn is coming. But to yeah. watch somebody that's been a physical therapist, osteopath, chiropractor, manual therapist, massage therapist for, yeah. for- Ten years, they already know what's possible and how long it takes. Right. So you do the supine cervical practicum and it takes approximately 45 minutes. Takes 30 when you get good at it. But 45 minutes in that first chaotic practicum. And at the end of 45 minutes, the ones that will just follow the directions, keep your fingers still let the frequencies do the work. And they find out that torn and broken in the air ligaments makes the lateral suboccipitals turn to pudding. Literally. Literally. And it's, the look is my favorite part. So I'm getting on a plane and going to Philadelphia on Monday. Okay. And the court, that's because we have Tuesday to do jet lag yeah. and then we start the five-day course on Wednesday and we do the supine cervical three times. Yeah. So everybody in the class does the supine cervical three times.
2: Yeah.
0: And why are you 76 and getting on planes and going to Philadelphia? Is it so much fun. Because what could I do that's more fun than that?
1: Yeah. No, I, the, what you just described was my first experience with FSM because I was such a, machines don't work. Why would I become a manual therapist
0: if I believed in machines? When most machines don't Don't.
1: work. (laughs) No, but that was my own experience at PT. I was hooked up to a TENS device and a bag of ice and I was left in a room to rot for 40 minutes. that was my life. But when I saw... really skilled clinician do a really great manual therapy treatment with fsm writing you said the magical phrase you know what's possible and there was just no way tissue changes that fast i still think that in my head sometimes like it was I think sometimes we make things more harder or more complicated than they need to be. Like, I really feel like I'm in that beautiful part of the FSM learning curve where things are, I'm just like knocking it out of the park every day. And I know I'm going to get something a little bit more complicated. I, this does happen, but I think sometimes we just have to be grateful for the knowledge we have, the Effects that we know we can create. And just the for me, it's the people that I'm able to text and troubleshoot. And you and I got a great email earlier this week with a practitioner that we love, right? Wanting to troubleshoot it. And I'm thinking this is the person that I go to for advice. And it's so nice when I can be on the receiving end. And you and I both answered very quickly, coming from very different angles. And I think you would have started here and I would have started there and then we would have gotten over there. And, but yeah, it's.
0: Isn't it fun?
1: It is fun. And I'm not on Facebook anymore, but I miss the FSM group because I would love to see the questions and everybody chiming in from their different backgrounds about what to run and what to start with. And as frustrating as it can be when you're stuck, I think it's just such a, inspirational place to be in because you have so many options.
0: Yeah. It's, it's just amazing to me. It, the, I have become so neurocentric because so this lady with the right hip, there is a people that hear about my medical history. It's four pages. Just the surgeries are single-spaced half of one page. And this lady with the right hip, she had appendicitis. She had a burst appendix. They did it laparoscopically. That's a good face. And they put in a drain to let the pus drain out after they took the appendix off of the cecum. Yeah, that's a good face. So I palpated psoas. And part of the reason my right hip degenerated so badly was that my psoas was so short because I had a kidney infection when I was 22. And Keith Pine told me, you get that psoas relaxed, or your right hip is going to get just ground to pieces. So I started working on scarring in the ureter, scarring in the cecum, scarring in the kidney, and her pelvis went smush. Now, when she gets her hip replaced, the new one will function properly. Right. There's no way to activate the hip flexors if it's spastic. Right. No. Why is it spastic that I think FSM practitioners are the only ones? I don't mean to be FSM centric, but is there anybody else on the planet that has the idea that the reason your psoas is tight is the ureter is adhered to it? Heck no. No. Why would you, why? Never even
1: mind going as far as the ureter. Like when do people even ask why? I don't mean to be cheeky. That's I'm sorry. I won't say, I won't comment anymore while you're drinking. But do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't question why is the quad tight? Why is glute man tight? It would just be tight and I would match it. Like that, it's, it was like very caveman-esque. But that's all I knew how to do. If something was tight, press harder.
0: Yeah. And then it's soft for 37 minutes after they leave the office and then it gets tight again
2: if you're
1: lucky right so yeah I don't mean to sound whatever by saying who asks why but and that is my starting point when you're when you have a patient with even the simple stuff that I get of just athletes having what they think is a straight-up MSK imbalance I'm like okay but why is this tight what happened a year before this injury. What
0: and
1: they're like no one's ever asked me that. Like cuz no one's ever able to treat it let alone if they cared,
0: who would make the connection between a hamstring injury, glute weakness and an and a femoral nerve adhesion from a groin pole? There I've never heard that. No. There's no place. No. And then who would put together
2: subscap, impingement,
0: infraspinatus, partial thickness tear, bursitis. Who does that?
1: You would, and I'm treating a ton of shoulders right now. And it's really funny because treating the subscap has always been one of the subscap and TMJ treatments are probably the two most painful manual therapy treatments and piriformis maybe that you can treat because they're highly innervated and they're like toddlers having temper tantrums. Like you go from zero to 60 very quickly. And I was trying to explain to this patient how I'm going to go into her axilla and release this muscle and just know you're not. Somebody did that to me last year. She has frozen frozen shoulder and I'm doing bunny ears and I will never let anybody do that to me ever again.
0: And I it's said, the Geneva convention. Yeah. And okay. I said, I
1: go, that is great that the person that you saw wanted to go in through there because not a lot of people put those two things together. I go, but just give me two minutes. And if after two minutes it's that uncomfortable, I will absolutely stop and we'll address it a different way. You know,
2: I just two minutes. Yeah. Okay. And you're
1: the way my German shepherd looks at all strangers like yeah
0: you're in 40 and 396 and wait and you just have to wait just wait and then 13
1: and 396 and just wait a little bit more and then you just start to go in and there, she was just looking at me like what is happening right now And she's, do you know what it feels like? It feels like there's, like, you're just getting at this itchy spot that nobody's been able to scratch. I'm like, and I'm like, by the way, it's been four minutes and just wait till the fun we have. And we got everything moving. Pretty
0: soon her arm is up over her head and nothing hurts. And you go, what? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But again, like I... I know what's possible. I've been doing this fall will be 25 years. I've been in practice and I haven't been doing FSM for 25 years, but so the old part, the old lizard brain of me is still that skeptical manual therapist that I'm like,
2: I'm never going to be able to do this. Yeah. And then I do it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the There's a part of me that ev- Every time, I do what we do, yeah. And it works, yeah. There's a part of maybe it's my lizard brain <laughs> that knows what's possible, and it goes, it worked again. I know. So you get a patient that has had MS, relapsing remitting, since for thirty. So, 35 years, 36, long time. And increased tone. She's on baclofen and this baclofen is a wonderful drug. Thank you very much. And you're taking your baclofen and I want you to feel these muscles here. And her brevis and adductor brevis, magnus, pectineus, quads, hamstrings, hamstrings were like a G string on our guitar. And I went, let's that, that I can fix. And she went, excuse me. That's yeah. Just give me a minute. And then the MS
2: part of it. I don't know if I can, I can't put
0: tissue back that's not there. But We had two goals. One was tone because the spasticity itself is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And the other was burning pain in her left foot night. And she has maybe
2: three or four plaques. One on one side at C2 and a plaque on each side in her parietal area. Okay.
0: And then I did, so I got, I showed off. She's delightful, just so much fun. So we had a great time and I got her tone to normal, like smushy. And she went, they're smushy. I went, that's the right word. Exactly. How were your feet last night? Yeah, they still burned. Okay. So the second day, I actually did a sensory exam. S1 and S2
2: on the left, hyperesthetic. Okay. That's peripheral. Yeah.
0: I don't know enough about MS you can get demyelinization in a peripheral nerve, like S1 and S2. But I do know that burning pain at night is central. It's thalamic. It's phantom limb pain for S1 and S2. So the key to getting rid of the burning pain in her left foot at night is to get the nerve to get the nerve at S1 and S2 on the left. Normal. Okay. So it's, I don't know. I can't make any sense out of how the MS in your spinal cord in your brain is causing this. But I'm going to treat your spinal cord and your brain anyway. And then we'll treat from your low back to your foot. Okay. So we had a great time chatting. And then at the end of 45 minutes, I tested sensation again. And she said, oh, that's sharp. I said, it's not numb? No. And this part of your foot feels the same as the other foot? Yeah. So I will find out Friday whether or not it worked. Yeah. It's the...
2: Right. And then, like, just to build
1: on this, like, even a condition like MS that we know and you've treated before, even within that there's so many different presentations that you have to be aware of. And again, like just because this person comes in with a certain condition doesn't mean they are limited to the symptoms that we know in the textbook that was written 60 years ago as the end all and be all. And there's still so many things that you can treat. I have an MS patient I'm treating who doesn't have a lot of symptoms, but doesn't want any symptoms to start. So, the trainer in me is let's keep doing all the balance work let's keep doing all the strength building there's still so many things i can use with fsm to maintain the state of health that they're already in so i think sometimes we as practitioners can also get limited and we go down that oh this is your disease this is the pathology this is a the condition therefore these are the symptoms you should have. No, it's, it's not always like that. It's messy.
0: That's the drugs you should take and yeah, this is what you should do. And it's how do you get someone to do physical activity and balance work when their legs are spastic? For sure. They, and they're internally rotated, adducted, and stiff. And she's on a walker. Right. When we got the tone normal, so when her left... Hamstrings let go. So for everybody that's listening, just as a reminder, when you run 81 and 10, it somehow, we don't know how, apparently increases descending inhibition of spasticity. It works in strokes, it works in cerebral palsy, and it works in MS. Right. And so I ran 81 and 10. And for whatever reason, I don't know enough. It goes up, it relaxes the muscles up the front, like flare up to the neck and then up the back. So knee, add Dr. Magnus brevis pectineus. Oh, goody. You watch the grass grow for another 20 minutes and you reach down and say, oh, good. There goes that hamstring. Wait, it's yeah. No going to more grass you wait for the grass to grow and then now that the muscle isn't spastic i want you to lift bend your left knee and she went my left leg doesn't work let's see if your left leg works so i had one machine to increase secretions in the cerebellum One machine increased secretions, 81 and 92. Sensory cortex hasn't heard from her left leg in quite a while. And then 81 and 10. And then thanks to you, 81 and 46.
2: Right.
0: And then I said, okay, just here, I'll get it started. And she bent her knee and I said, that's it. Pull your foot. My left leg doesn't work. Your foot's moving, so your, your left leg's moving, working. So just keep pulling it. There you go, pull it. And it, and it because it's been spastic into internal rotation, the external rotators are inhibited. So she gets her knee up and I said, now externally rotate your leg. My leg doesn't, oh, it's, yeah, that's it. So bring your leg out, now bring it back in now, this time, bring it out and push against my hand and then bring it back in. And she's got this look of amazement on her, like, oh, that can't, how, what? I didn't fix her MS. I just changed the function of her left leg, but the lack of spasticity lasted 24 hours at least. Wow. Isn't that cool? Yes.
1: but but doable. Like I'm listening to all this and I'm not awestruck. I'm just like, yeah, that makes sense. And this makes sense. And I'm going to write this down and try this myself. And we have a question before we get too far gone already today. Can eczema resolve from FSM alone? Patient has a junk food habit. So there's also a feedback loop that might be hard to advance past. Yeah.
0: Oops. It went away. You know me. It's like, yeah, you can get rid of the eczema for about two hours, but you have to treat the small intestine. And what is that patient's junk food habit? Which kind of junk food do they want? Salty, salt and crunch, or sweet and soft? And is it all wheat? So it's salt and crunch, sweet and soft, and they eat wheat five times a day well, Yeah, that means your gut's going to leak you're probably sensitive to gluten and you get to pick i can get rid of the eczema for about two to three hours yeah what you get to pick what do you mean you get to choose do
2: you want junk food made of wheat or do you want to have not have eczema oh That's up to me. Yeah. Oh.
0: So that's the place where you have to tell patients you and I form a team to do this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Nina. I have atrial fib is increased secretions in the vagus, the right vagus controls the atria, the left vagus, vagus controls the rate of the ventricles. So the there's two pieces of it. Short term, you can get somebody out of trouble using FSM, increase secretions, do vagal tone, increase secretions in the vagus. That's the first thing. The second thing is that the vagus at that level uses acetylcholine as a neurotransmitter. So the person, the MD that treated George's atrial fib, we could use FSN to get him out of down from 150 back down to 70. But what was his name? He's a naturopathic cardiologist put him on massive doses of phosphatidylcholine to increase acetylcholine, to just push that chemistry, to increase acetylcholine and magnesium to quiet sympathetic sensitivity every four hours. So we set an alarm clock. You would go to bed at eight, wake up at midnight, wake up at four, take another one at eight, around the clock. And they did that for a month. But if somebody has, yeah, no identified trigger is phosphatidylcholine, look up phosphatidylcholine at some point and see all the places where it gets used. And there are times when, if somebody's had a neck injury, and I don't know how to include this in the core, their brains are actually, it could get messy. Yeah. The vagus nerve comes out just behind your ears at the jugular foramen. And then it's like this spider web down your neck. So if you've had a neck injury, a whiplash, auto accident, whatever, and you turn your head to the left and the vagus nerve on the right is stuck to your fascia and you turn it traction, the vagus nerve on the right, the right vagus goes to the atria. I didn't do anything. You looked over your left shoulder. Oh, okay. Or you ate something or did something that increased your liver's need for phosphatidylcholine.
2: Yeah.
0: And there wasn't a left Enough extra left over to build acetylcholine to run the Vegas. I don't know. I just, and the other thing with atrial fib, make sure they are on an anticoagulant. Okay. This patient was, she wasn't even taking a ba- baby aspirin. Oh. And her, do you call that cardiac monitor you wear? Holter. Her, her holter monitor two years ago showed that she was an atrial fib or atrial flutter. of the time. Wow. And they don't have her on an anticoagulant. I was very calm. You'd be proud. But I said, can you stop at the pharmacy on the way home and buy some baby aspirin, please? (laughs) So silly. no.
1: I have a quote before we have our closing things. because I love your quotes. I'm glad you do because I'm going to keep doing them. I had... I had so I have to do a little bit of bragging before the end. My teenagers went to nationals for hockey, and I've had the pleasure of working with this group. I go in once a week and I help them with their exercises, and I've been trying to spread some positivity. And I had them come up with their own mantras, and I laminated them for the girls, and I had them like decorate their hotel room with these quotes. And I try to give a quote. I write this newsletter for them. And one of my my kids is just like, mom, enough with the quotes. And I'm like, no, I'm going to keep giving the world these quotes because it's going to strike a chord with them. So this one really resonated for me this week. And it says, be messy and complicated and afraid and show up anyways.
0: Exactly. Right. Be messy messy and complicated and and afraid and 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 show up And that is honestly how I got through the last year. Yeah. Kevin has a mantra. Do the next thing. Yeah. So people have asked me, it's like, how did you do last year? I did what Kevin said. You just do the next thing. Yeah. Answer the next email. Do the next patient. Write the next slide presentation. Yeah. Just show up. That's awesome.
1: And I think it works as a practitioner and as a patient, right? Like I think we, as practitioners, we try to be perfectionists and we try to have all the answers and we try to have the streamlined smooth treatment plan and it's complicated and it's messy. And sometimes it's scary, but we show up anyways. And as patients, it's the same thing. Like we're always waiting for I'll just wait till I have more money. I'll wait till I lose weight. I'll wait till I get this blood test. And no, just start treatment with your crazy history. I got you. We'll figure this out. Yeah.
0: And it's actually good for patients. Yeah. I've had more patients make say thank you, yeah, for telling me that you don't understand. Yeah, I- that this really is. Complicated. This part of what you have is simple. Yeah. This part I don't understand, but we're going to just take it a piece at a time and see if I can change it. Yeah. And they, it, you and the patient are in it together, messy and complicated, and you both show up. Yeah. I like it. I like and it.
2: we're going to show up next Wednesday. Yes, Complicated
0: selves. Oh, wait, I'm in Philadelphia next Wednesday. I
1: got you. I got something
0: I can do. You got somebody. OK, it'll be fun. I'm going to no. miss you, though. It'll be. I know.
1: But that's. We're okay. messy and complicated and we figure it out.
0: True <laughs> story. This is good. Wait, let's see. Debbie Benden oh. both taught me not to be afraid to treat anything. Keep doing what you do. You can't imagine what you are doing out there. Love you both. Thank you, Debbie.
2: Thank you, Debbie.
1: Thanks everybody. Everybody. I will see everybody next week and I'll see you in two weeks.
0: See you in two weeks.
2: Bye. The Frequency Specific Microcurrent Podcast has
1: been produced by Frequency Specific Seminars for entertainment, educational, and information purposes only. The information and opinion
0: provided in the podcast are not medical advice, do not create any type of po- doctor-patient relationship, And unless expressly stated, do not reflect the opinions of its affiliates, subsidiaries, or sponsors, or the hosts, or any
1: of the podcast guests or affiliated professional organizations. No person should act or refrain from acting on the basis of the content provided in any podcast without first seeking appropriate medical advice and counseling. No information
0: provided in any podcast should be used as a substitute for personalized medical advice and counseling. FSS expressly disclaims any and all liability relating to any actions taken or not taken based on or any
2: contents of this podcast.